0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to this episode of Creator Support. Today, we're going to be talking about the anti-thumbnail theory.
1: Also today on the show, what's up with all these creators making so much money on
0: Snap? Like, should you be starting a Snapchat show? We also discuss the Hollywood writer's strike and if YouTube creators are responsible for killing unions. Not fully responsible, but like, partly responsible. All right, if you make it to the deep end, let us know. Last week was a really big week for us. I mean, Doja Cat. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah. I mean, so, okay. For reference, if you don't know what we're talking about, Colin and I were part of Brandcast, which is uh, YouTube's upfront. It's Essentially where YouTube does a big presentation in front of uh, all the big advertisers, yep. 1,500 people uh, in the Lincoln Center in New York, and presents kind of what's going to happen in the next chapter. One of the biggest things was the NFL, the NFL's partnership with YouTube and Sunday Ticket, mm-hmm. which is super cool. Um Destroying was there with the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell. Eric was on stage. Eric was there. Michelle Carey. Yep. Um, Jacob Collier, who's a great musician. Beautiful voice. And then Doja Cat closed the show. And Colin and I introduced Doja Cat, uh, which is really fun. And we did a big segment on, you know, the future of advertising on YouTube.
1: YouTube keeps bringing us these interesting opportunities. Last year, we introduced P. Diddy. P-Diddy. P-Diddy? P. Oh, no, Diddy. 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 You're right. P-Diddy? Diddy? Yes. Diddy. Yeah, you're right. We introduced there's always
0: a great musical guest at at these YouTube events. And we've been fortunate to introduce them. But the production was just such a big scale. And it it was I mentioned this last week of just kind of the emotion of seeing our face on this big poster in New York. And I think even more so this week being on stage and having like this this massive production and, and having it say Colin and Samir and then being able to to speak on behalf of YouTube. It's been this really cool thing of being able to like shape this platform that we've dedicated so much time. in our life, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's been a really cool thing. So that was Wednesday night. And the next day we launched the discord, (laughs) which was like a whole nother emotional roller coaster. Uh, and just like an incredibly exciting day. When we, when we pressed, uh, felt like I was hooked up
1: to an IV of just like, internet power and like (laughs) social media content and engagement. It was just nonstop. I was so sucked into the discord.
0: Yeah. Right when the discord launched, it was just like, I mean, it's a very unique opportunity to see the physical manifestation of our community. Yeah. Like actually see people come into the space and, and the type of people who come in. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time you really face your audience. And we've spent years sort
1: of aggregating and collecting a group of like-minded people. Yeah. So to then all of a sudden just be in this digital space with them yeah. where you can all interact and there's all these different channels. And every channel is a place that I kind of want to spend some time and hang yeah, out. Yeah, totally. You just can get lost in it. And
0: you and I both got lost in it. Oh, of course. How could we not? Again, it's like all this this work of of building a community. People talk about community a lot. You know, a lot yeah. of people in the creator economy talk about community, but what does that actually look like? And we got to face it and be like, "Oh, this is what it looks like. This mm-hmm. is our community." It was really cool too to see who was
1: joining. Not yes. only creators from all over the world. Shout out to everyone from Australia because there were Oh, a we got to hold on, Aussies. we got to read this.
0: This is from the Discord. Uh, this is from Pete THT. He said, honestly, if there isn't a shout out to all the Aussies in the discord on the next potty, I'll be spewing. Whoa. That's a lot of, uh, Aussie lingo. Yeah. 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 But Pete, there's your shout out. So please don't be spewing. So not
1: only do we have creators from all over the world, but we also had, uh, people who work for creators, Mm -hmm. which has been really interesting.
0: Yeah. So right after Dude Perfect released this like crazy, you know, highest trick shot, um, which was an awesome video. World like record. World record. Basketball crazy shot. Crazy video. Um, but Matthew, who works for Dude Perfect, the head of social, like immediately when that video was posted, posted four thumbnail options for the video that they were considering and posted it into the thumbnail feedback mm-hmm. uh, part of Discord and, and asked for, you know, what everyone thought. And then posted analytics
1: in the analytics channel, That's right?
0: Yeah. Super cool. So mm-hmm. we have people who are working for creators, um, creators themselves, and um, the introductions channel, has been a really cool place because we asked people to make video introductions. So I I actually wanted to play one of them. Okay. This was uh, one of my favorite introductions over the weekend. Hi, Discord. I'm Joel. And I'm a relatively small YouTuber. I'm also an overthinker and a perfectionist which is why I almost scrapped this video a million times. But it's also why I make fun videos where I try to inspire others to try new things by focusing on progress instead of perfection. I love talking storytelling, cinematography, thumbnails, mental health, and pretty much anything YouTube related. So I'm really looking forward to this new tribe we're building here. So right now, I got to go back to recording that voiceover, but I'll see you guys on Discord. That was awesome. Yeah. I I think the thing that stuck out to me and what has stuck out to me, you know, in the, the week that the Discord has been... Uh, live has been the concept of having a safe space to share content mm-hmm. because actually, you know, YouTube, uh, TikTok, some of these other places don't don't feel safe um, because either a you you put something out has low viewership and then you feel kind of weird yeah like, oh, it's got 50 views that feels weird or you, you put something out and it goes really viral to a group that you didn't intend it to go to and then you feel kind of like judged or like people you're open yourself yeah. up to. You know, a group that's uncomfortable, and that I think stops a lot of creators from growing and incubating. Yeah, and so I think that one of the coolest things about the um, the server has been that people can share creative work like that, mm-hmm. and there's a group to receive it. Yeah, and that group is uh, has a shared interest and is like, oh yeah, I'm I'm down to receive a video like that. Yeah, so I mean, validation
1: is so important for yeah. creators, especially early on and validation doesn't have to come through views. Yeah. It can come through human interaction. Mm -hmm. Right. Like even a few people commenting on a video is way more impactful than sometimes a million views, but having no understanding of like what people really think about it. Yeah. Right.
0: Totally. Yeah. So, you know, this uh, partnership with discord has been really interesting because it's like an opportunity for us to actually like find out who our community is and what's so cool is they're creators so they're making stuff for us to watch Yeah, and then again it's like the conversation we want to be a part of so I did quickly just want to thank Discord and thank them specifically for sponsoring this episode and I wanted to bring up two features that we used uh, over the past week that I think are really unique community building features. Uh, The first is voice channels. So the server asked us to open up voice channels. And so we did it. You are talking
1: about the cozy corner or the editor's den?
0: We have editor's den, (laughs) we have this uh, cozy corner, we have the lounge and we popped into one and there was a group of creators uh, with one of them editing, Mm -hmm. sharing their screen and everyone else commenting on like, hey, yeah, hold the music a little bit longer there or like make that cut shorter. and that was so interesting to see, like a space to collaborate and mm-hmm. hang out and, and chat and meet with people. And at any, any given time of the day, you can check and there's like the voice channels are going and people are hanging out yeah, um, and talking about things. And then the second feature, which was so exhilarating, was the live stage. We hosted our first AMA mm-hmm. where we ended up going live into the Discord uh, on stage bringing other people up on stage to ask us questions it was like hosting a live radio show yeah and the production setups of everyone we brought on stage yeah that was
1: cool were for the most part incredibly high yeah yeah, yeah. which was really cool mm-hmm. to see that because everyone is pretty much a creator totally like if they're going to be a part of a live ama and come up on stage it's going to look damn good
0: yes yeah i i think what was really interesting about it was this like there was like inside jokes that came out of that. There was, uh, you know, chat was a whole nother thing. It almost felt like we were becoming streamers, uh, in this environment, yeah. but getting to do it in this way that was like so collaborative with the community. And I see this future of, uh, that type of space and those stages being an opportunity for us to bring experts on, mm-hmm. uh, to actually, you know, help guide some of the conversation, answer questions. Yeah. Um, and also, it's very liberating because there's no post production attached to it. It's like we're there, we're live, we're here to bring value, we're here to to connect with our community, and then it's off and it's and it's done. Yeah. And then what we saw was right after the AMA, people were talking about it in other channels. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, I would say anyone who's listening or watching right now and who's a part of the Discord or wants to be, if you're interested in being a part of an AMA, like yeah. if you consider yourself an expert, totally. you have something to give. Uh, yeah, and you would want to be featured, let mm-hmm. us know either in the comments or in the Discord.
0: Yeah. So it was, it, it, launching the Discord was something I was nervous about. And, Same. Uh, you know, I was really nervous about how it was going to go. And now, you know, a week into it, I'm so happy with it. And I think a lot of that has to do with our community, our mods, and then again, our partners at Discord. Thank you guys so much. Uh, if you guys want to join the Discord, the link is in the, the description. Um, a lot happened in the world of YouTube as well. We should talk about some of that. Mm-hmm. Linus stepped down as CEO Mm-hmm. And just kind of like the Linus company. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting thing to bring up. So, you know, he's stepping down as the uh, CEO of his company and moving into more of like a visionary role, right? I think, I think he's calling himself- Like the remaining
1: chief, the creator. Yeah. Chief right. Not visionary Not necessarily officer. the yeah. operator of the business.
0: I think that's an important thing to discuss of like, does a creator need to be the CEO of their business? Or what does that even mean to be like the CEO of your own business as you're growing?
1: I think ultimately if you bring in a CEO, they're not fully your boss because you are still the creator and you're still in charge of whether they're there or Mm -hmm. not if you like them. But in this instance, it does help greatly if you find the right person who can act kind of like your boss, Mm. right? And you get to stay in your lane and be creative and they get to look high level at the operations of the business and what's going on and be kind of like your quarterback, your central sort of hub for what you're doing.
0: I think if you, the creator, are the CEO of the business, you're not going to be the best creator. Mm -hmm. You're just not. There's too much other stuff to do as a CEO for you to be the best creator. And I think we see that a lot where creators who end up becoming the CEO of their own business, the content ends up struggling. Because if they're not the creator, not the creator. I would say including ourselves. We are definitely not immune to that at all. No, not at all. I I think through experience, I'm saying that, um, I think the, one of the best versions of it I've saw was at with Rhett and Link, like Rhett and Link are not the CEOs of mythical, you know, they have an executive team there. And I think that is definitely the direction it's all moving. Um, but I liked that video a lot from from Linus, and I liked the, like, openness of that discussion and, and just what that discussion brings forward for creators.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to see those types of roadmaps, yep. you know, and for a creator to talk about it on their channel. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be a public-facing video. Yeah. But making it public, I think, is super impactful and shows us that it's a really important decision.
0: I, I love how meta YouTube is. Right? Like, what yeah. other
1: shows—let's call them shows— Yeah would make an episode of a show all about who's the new CEO of the show. Or like, yeah, I'm no longer
0: directing the show. Yeah. You know, something like that. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting.
1: That's even how I felt about uh, iDubbbz video. Mm. So iDubbbz with his content cop series, which is incredibly critical, many times super hateful. Yeah. uh, But also entertaining. Um, He kind of had a moment where he no longer agrees with the version of himself that was on the internet. Yeah. And in a way, the audience that he had built, a part of the audience that he built and just made a video addressing that and being like, hey, I am no longer that person and I am sorry Mm -hmm. for that and I apologize for that. And I think it's so important to show other people that you can change, that like there's precedent for this, that you don't have to be stuck in a certain type of format if you don't feel like it's fully you. You know, that's like- Some creators, right, it's not going to go that far where they're actually making, like, bigoted, hateful content at times. There may be some creators who are just stuck in a certain type of format, like Lizzie Capri we've been talking Mm, about. Like, she was in a type of format, kids' content, that no longer felt true to herself and was able to make a change. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, pretty significant change. Huge change, yeah. Yeah. Aged up the content. and Launched an OnlyFans. Launching an OnlyFans, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big pivot, but I, I, it does feel like we're in this era of YouTube where people are evolving and mm-hmm. changing a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I, it feels tangibly different right now, right?
1: Yeah, I think we're, we're like you said, we're seeing people like age up Yeah, and, and we have enough people who've been on the platform or who've been creators long enough that they can't help but change because it's super hard to not be yourself, right? And we're seeing some interesting decisions being made, yeah. like iDubs unlisting a bunch of his content, mm-hmm. Anthpo, graduating from college and being like, Hey, I'm done with this experience. I'm no longer uploading videos.
0: I think we're also seeing that, you know, even in, in the discord community, what you're recognizing is like, there's people who are part of our community, but most of those people are creators themselves. And that's, that might be somewhat unique to our community, but I would assume that in a lot of communities, a lot of the audience, they're also making, and that's new where it's not just like, Hey, we are the creators. You are the audience. It's like, we are all making stuff. Yeah. And we make different stuff from you and you watch our stuff and maybe we watch your stuff. Yeah. And that is, a, that is a whole new landscape where on YouTube now, uh, there's a potential that everyone is a creator. I
1: think that's, uh, uh, you know, after a certain amount of time, like every creator, even if they're not talking about the business of creators, is aspirational to a subset of their audience mm. who wants to do what they're doing or something like what they're doing. Yeah, Right. And I think over time that compounds... Yeah. Where you have a lot of different people in different industries, niches, everything Mm -hmm. who've been looking at their favorite creator saying, well, I don't want to talk about what they're talking about, but I'm pretty interested. Let me try this, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And now we're sitting with a a ton of people who are creators. Yeah. You lower the barrier to entry too with like TikTok and Reels and Shorts and the on-ramp is easier. Yeah. To at least try. Mm -hmm. So it's super interesting.
0: Okay, this is uh, our first question. We're pulling from the Discord, which is from Burr. What's up Burr? What's <laughs> <laughs> that, Burr? So something I've been thinking about a lot lately is longer form casual content that have thumbnails that are aesthetically displeasing, like how Moist Critical stretches his thumbnails horizontally. It looks bad, but it's still visually distinct, and I know it's his content. Is going against the grain of pristine thumbnails viable for someone just starting out? Or would that be driving viewers... Away by thinking the video itself is poorly produced.
1: I think all that matters is if it story tells. Because what we're talking about with Moist Critical with like the stretched yeah, we should explain that or even like Mogul Mail Ludwig, Ludwig yeah, right, like he he'll put that. a tweet mm-hmm. um, and then like stretch the tweet to fit in the thumbnail and it yeah. looks re- doesn't look like anything you've ever seen before, yeah, yeah. which is good, but it also looks like intentionally yeah, kind of shitty. Pull up one of these because it, it and it, it's so compelling though, but it tells a story. Every time he puts a tweet in one of his thumbnails, the copy is something that is sort of dramatic or makes you want to click. Like it adds intrigue. So I don't think it matters if you have like a pristine image or a blurry photo of a potato chip. Yeah. You know, as long as that tells a story.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. It's so interesting though. Like Moist Critical, he does reaction content. So he'll like, you know, pull... Uh, a screen grab or something from, you know, something that's reactionary. He's also, though, a relationship-based creator. Like, Moist Critical is creating content, and you are clicking because you like Moist Critical. And yes, some of these concepts will drive more viewership than others, but largely the viewership, like, th- there's a video I'm looking at right now. It's called This Took Me 17 Years, and it is a YouTube-selected thumbnail of his face. Yeah. And it has <laughs> 1.3 million views. Yeah. Yeah. His eyes
1: are closed. His mouth is kind of open. It's an
0: intentionally kind of whatever. Mm -hmm. Because it's like. But there's
1: drama intention in that. This took me 17 years. And you're looking at like a crappy
0: photo of him. You're like, well, that doesn't pair up. But that can't be a new creator. True. That can only, that only works at 1.3 million views because it's moist critical. Yeah. So that's the question that he's asking is you know, can you do this as, a, as an up-and-coming creator? You know, we're also looking at another one, Disney's latest failure. It's kind of like a ridiculous screenshot where you can barely read the headline. Yeah. But Disney's latest failure, it's something that we were talking about in the thumbnail feedback um, section of the Discord um, about, like, unclosed loops of saying, Disney's latest failure suggests there's a failure that Disney just went through. And I don't know that. Like, me, right now, in this moment, I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. And then the thumbnail shows a headline. It's like, Oh, there's a headline and I can kind of see it says star Wars. So now I'm like, my interest is peaked enough that even after we're recording this, I'll probably just check this out. Cause I can't not know what this is about. That might work for a new creator. That though. might work for a new yeah. creator. Um, but this took me 17 years might not. I, I agree. I think the, like the concept of aesthetically displeasing for the, like, in the, uh, just to be against the grain, it's not going to work if you're just thinking that this is like creatively what works. It yeah. is like storytelling. It mm-hmm. is it is uh, also being really topical. Like yeah. Moist Critical and Ludwig with Mogul Mail are incredibly topical. If there's like a tweet that goes viral, that's what they put out. Yeah. You know, it's it's whatever that moment is, they are commenting on the moment. I think like with with editing, with uh, graphic design, with all of this, like I am more attracted right now to the more lo-fi styles. Mm-hmm. I think because I'm almost over – I've been edited at so much, you know, as a viewer. Yeah. I think
1: you can predict what's behind the thumbnail, and that's probably – or at least you think you can, so you are less inclined to watch. Right. right? With something that is like lo-fi – It's perhaps more singular is your thought that like, this is a unique video.
0: Yeah. And I would say, you know, just to answer the question too, it's like for a brand new creator, what I would really think about is how does the thumbnail, how did the thumbnail and title play off each other? How do they complement each other? Um, Just try and make sure they're not saying the same thing. And if you're new, like you are going to have to cast a wider net um, to reach audience. But I I think when you get to a point where you have a dedicated community, you can kind of play around a bit with, Mm -hmm. with these loose thumbnail formats. Um, and again, if you're a streamer or if you're like someone who has a lot of clips, like Ludwig or Moist critical, it's a, it's a bit of a different thing. So, yeah, but I, I think we'll probably see more of this. We'll see more mm-hmm. of like, like toned down thumbnails. Like I think we talked about Colt Kerwin's video before, but I think that was a version of a thumbnail that was like pretty chill. And it's not like Floor we haven't seen those before. No, right. We've seen it like before. It's yeah. just a little bit cyclical. Yeah. All right. Next question from the discord from yikes. A few weeks ago, I got an email from a publishing company offering me my own Snapchat show. I didn't think much of it until I watched Tejas' new video. Would it be worth it? I hear Snapchat pays a crazy amount, but I'm not sure if I'd be able to commit to doing it while also doing YouTube, and I don't want another platform to take priority, not to mention still being in high school and barely being able to manage the workload I have without adding another platform.
1: So in Tejas' video, which we can link in -hmm. the description of this episode, uh, he dives deep into why David Dobrik uh, has abandoned YouTube for Snapchat yeah, and conducts some pretty interesting interviews in there mm-hmm. and gets to the bottom of kind of how Snapchat works, works. right now yeah. with stories. yeah. And what he found was that, you know, people are posting 70 to 100 stories a day. Smaller creators can <laughs> make crazy. like, you know, uh, 1,000 to 3,000 a day, which is like really, really, really- I mean, that's really crazy. Significant. That's crazy. And so then you think about what someone like David Dobrik is making at a million views per day- uh posting three hundred snaps a day,
0: like it's it's absurd. I'm not a mathematician. No, you've never been, never been. But three thousand dollars a day for thirty days. Yeah. Again, I said I'm not a mathematician. Yeah, yeah. We'll I leave just, that I was there. Just, that's neither. I was for just saying the. Us. That's, that's not for us to do. That's talk. not for, for yeah. yeah. Neither Someone else can calculate Someone that. Someone can put that in the comments. How much that is. Yeah. But for a for a young creator like that is it's very hard to say no to. And, and this it's is low lift. This is like- Yeah, you're posting stories. photos
1: of whatever, mm-hmm. 70 to 100, and the ads that play in between these stories, yeah. you get a cut from yes. Snapchat. But I think these amounts are probably inflated right now. Because sure. I don't know if I believe- The moment is right now. I don't know if I believe that the style of content warrants high advertising dollars over totally. the long term. Yeah. Right? So it seems like a play of- Let's get creators talking about it. Let's pay top creators a lot and see if that trickles down and people start picking up stories. And then ads come. It's like, can it be a self-fulfilling prophecy? Which maybe it can. Of like, hey, Snap's the place to make money, inflate the amounts, people start coming to Snap, then advertisers come too. It could happen. It could happen. But right now it feels like a moment.
0: Yeah, it it is a moment. And I think... um, there's a couple different versions of Snap. Like I think Yikes, what you're talking about is a Snapchat show, Mister Yikes, Mister Yikes, yeah, which is different from Stories, which is different from Spotlight, I, mm-hmm. and and I'm not super familiar with Snap, so I'm I'm interested to hear mm-hmm. in the comments uh, people talk about Snap, but I, I think that the the zoom out, it says would it be worth it, and then goes on to talk about you know, I'm barely able to manage my workload being a high school student and a creator. And I think the question becomes like, what is the desired outcome for you as a creator? Is it that you make the most money? Is it that you make the most interesting content? Is it that you build the deepest connection with your audience? And all of those things can happen, but I think you have to prioritize one at a time. And if, if, if the question is, how do I make the most money? Then you're looking for efficient ways to make content and make money doing that. But in my experience, that will lead you down an empty road. Like you, you will, yes, sure. You will monetize, but you'll be waking up and being like, Ugh, I have to post a hundred photos, a hundred videos on snap today. And if that doesn't naturally come to you, if that feels like the only reason you're doing it is for the outcome that you're hearing that people are making $3,000 a day, maybe you can have some short-term excitement, but it's not going to lead to a a place of like creative fulfillment. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've been offered uh, snap a lot and I think it's interesting. If we had a, if we had a system for
1: it, like the snap stories, I'm not sure we could snap stories. I don't think, I we, don't think do. we could bring that into our yeah, workflow. So it's do. like not no. super natural to who we are to no. like post a ton of photos all day. Yeah. Um. Maybe if we had someone on our team helping us and we thought the content was interesting It could happen and we could turn some of our episodes into like a snap show. Yeah. Um, I think that's a possibility.
0: I'm specifically talking about stories. Like, I don't think we can do stories. Yeah. Yeah. I do
1: think it's a good opportunity, you know, to find new audience and like be in a new place. I just don't know if we have the process or the people right now to prioritize that. Yes. We got enough going on and we're
0: focused on this. Yeah. and I, I need to have a deep connection with the audience and who the audience of Snap is. And and I'm not hundred percent sure exactly who the audience of Snap is. I think if I could solve that, I would understand how to provide value to that group. But I wanted to bring up two terms that we talked about at dinner last night. We went to dinner with the Spotter team mm-hmm. and I told Rob Gable at Spotter that I was going to steal this, but I'm citing you, Rob. Okay. So Rob, here you go.
1: But from this point on, it's mine. It's ours. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only time we will cite you
0: for the rest of time. But he's this yeah. is ours. We were talking about this exact concept of like, how do you say no to things? How mm-hmm. many things can you take on? Yeah. And we talked about two things. We talked about bandwidth, which is like, how much time do you have in a day?
1: You only have so much bandwidth.
0: You only have so much bandwidth. And I think that we also undervalue how much bandwidth it takes to come up with an idea that's compelling. Let well, alone for a brand. Yeah. That, that's a lot of mental bandwidth, right? So there's bandwidth, which is your time, your space, your energy towards creative ideas. And then he came up with the term brandwidth. Woo. which I really liked, which meant how much of your brand can be out there? Like how many partnerships can you announce? How many spaces can you be in? How many shows can you have? Brandwidth is kind of like, how much can your audience take? Yeah. We have so much content to consume that how much can we tell all of you about what we're doing? Mm-hmm. How much can we launch into the world? How many partnerships yeah. can we talk about, uh, before you're like, I don't know what's going on. I gotta, can only latch onto one thing a day, you gotta know,
1: find where your bandwidth meets your brand width. something like that. You know what I mean? I'm not a mathematician, Colin. Nah, you've never been, <laughs> but there's something there.
0: <laughs> there's something there. There's brand a good, with. there's a good stretch too so, thin,
1: too many brands.
0: Yes. Um, uh, but I, I loved that. And I think, um, that conversation, you know, with, with the spotter team was, was really great and refreshing to think about like, this is a long game, yeah. you know, you are in high school.
1: When you say you're, you mean Yikes? Yikes, okay. not you.
0: Yeah. Got it. Is our next question from, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the, the two usernames have been Burr and Yikes, which is kind of funny. So welcome to the Discord. Yikes is a great member of the community. Yikes is, uh, is very involved. I liked uh,
1: that. I liked I know it was my joke. But you liked it a lot. But I liked it a yeah, lot. Yeah, you wanted yeah, to. I've been trying to fake, like put that in this whole time.
0: Uh, that was good. Thanks. Quickly, just to bring it up, because I loved it, Michelle Carey's boxing video.
1: Yeah. Loved it. Um, stylistically very different from her yes. other videos. This was a 45 minute documentary movie. of her, movie. uh, training and then boxing at Creator Clash and like well-conducted interviews and characters, mm-hmm. uh, her coaches. It was super interesting, incredibly well shot.
0: So, yeah. So if, if you're not familiar with Michelle, she makes, um, a, a show called Challenge Accepted where she takes on, you know, very... Big challenge, whether that's, you know, doing like Marine training, uh, running a marathon in the hottest place in the world, or in this scenario, taking on a boxing match and becoming a boxer. Um, she's, she's done it in ways that I really respect that, that feel a lot more like TV or Netflix. Um, but they also respect my attention as a viewer, which I really like, Um, this one had opening credits, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a YouTube video with opening credits with like a cool kind of black and white boxing, oldies music playing, opening credits. I was like, whoa, and I watched it on my TV. Telling you, man, I think obviously, you know, we've heard time
1: and time again that watch time's going up on connected TV for YouTube. It's like the leading, Mm -hmm. this is basically me at Brandcast, but like they're the leading, according to Nielsen, (laughs) the leading streamer on TVs right now. now? Yeah, Yeah, this is Brandcast calling. And now Doja Cat. And now Welcome Doja Cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I do think there's going to be a category of creator that makes things specifically for TV where the style of the content requires you or asks of you to watch it on your TV, to lean back a little bit. Like our Mr. Beast documentary from last year, we don't want you to watch that on your phone. Yeah. Like we're asking you with the format of that to like lean back, grab some popcorn and sink in. And watch it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I want to ask the audience right now – And if you're listening on on Spotify or Apple Pods, you can tweet at us or pop it in the Discord. But are you watching YouTube on your phone, computer, or TV the majority of the time? I I would say TV for me is the least amount of time. Like I don't watch much YouTube on my TV, but this weekend I watched Michelle's video and I watched DP's video, Dude Perfect's video on my TV. I almost exclusively watch YouTube on my TV. You know what's crazy though? When I'm watching YouTube on the TV, if there's like kind of a slow moment, I pull out my phone and watch shorts. And then I was like, Oh my god. Maximum <laughs> you, consumption. Yeah, YouTube got me. It's too much. YouTube got me. Yeah. Like they're on my TV and they're on my phone at the exact same time. That's How do lot. they figure that out? That's a lot. That's crazy. Yeah. What other app, what other app is? to like check that? yourself, man. Okay. You gotta just check yourself. Stop, you know, stop judging me for oh, a second. I can't help but d- judge you in d- this d- moment. Don't judge me about this, okay? I, I guarantee You're telling me you haven't. Done I guarantee that before? you're not alone and there's a chance I've done it. I guarantee I'm not alone on this podcast right now, as a as a person who's had the TV on and has swiping through short form content. Are you referring to Jesse right now? <laughs> switching the angles? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's swiping right now. <laughs> okay, he's in Discord. All right, got it. Um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting though that like YouTube was on both of my screens at the same time. But I agree with you. I think uh, TV is going to be a, a, a big factor. But I wonder if like retention will take into consideration where someone watched it. Because like when I'm watching something on my TV, my nature is... I'm less likely to click off of it because yeah. it's hard. It's like the remote is kind of like annoying to do. Yeah. But on my phone, it's really easy to click off, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can be scrolling while, while you're, watching, you're watching in the corner. Which is crazy, yeah. yeah. Super interesting. But YouTube being watched on TV brings up this next question from the Discord from Ramses, And Ramses says, did YouTube kill unions? As I ponder the ongoing writer's strike, the complexity of their fight resonates with me. Platforms like YouTube have revolutionized traditional compensation systems, particularly residuals creating a new landscape that we're all trying to navigate. As YouTubers and creators, we must critically evaluate our role. What part do we play in this reshaped domain? How does our presence and influence affect these critical issues? Are we unintentionally contributing to the decline of these unions Is it time for us to band together and unionize for our voice to be effectively heard? A lot of questions in there, but a a, a really interesting topic. We should explain a bit. I I think we've talked about it, but like the writer's strike, the concept of unions, like what is happening in the traditional world um, and how does that relate to what's happening on YouTube?
1: Uh, First off, I would say I think we should bring someone on the main channel probably to talk about this because- I've just been learning from afar. Like, I am not a part of the Hollywood system. I am not familiar with it, and I've been trying to learn. But um, right now, the writers, the Writers Guild of America are striking. Mm -hmm. And I think I said on a past episode that it's like 9,200, but I think it's actually close to like 11,000 writers in Hollywood right now. And they're demanding um, a few things, one of which is uh, that studios don't use uh, AI. AI. Mm-hmm. Another one is that...
0: It's like the connection to, to royalties, right? Connection so to like,
1: royalties. That's a big yeah. part of it. Basically, there's this huge change where, you know, in the past, if you written written uh, 22 episodes of Seinfeld, those are still being showed on TV networks today. Those networks are advertising-based. Those writers are still getting revenue from mm-hmm. the ads. So that's a yeah. great situation for writers that they're rewarded for their work. Yeah, and good incentive to... To write. And right? not too yeah. dissimilar, like in a way to YouTube is advertising backed. Mm-hmm. We create videos. Mm-hmm. And if those videos still perform over time, ads still play on them and we still make some money from them. Yeah. Right. It's somewhat similar. And,
0: and we make uh, 55%. We make 55%. Of the revenue.
1: So. Which is like, it, it is a residual, right? If you look at what's happened with streaming, the rise of streaming, streaming is not about advertising. Streaming is about getting people to sign up for subscriptions. hmm So they need a lot of shows and good shows. They need this cycle of content coming out, coming out so that you sign up for Netflix or you sign up for Hulu. They're not very public at all with their numbers. Yeah,
0: So that complicates residuals. Complicates
1: residuals. And it complicates, when you're not advertising-backed, it complicates how much money from subscriptions goes to each show. Mm -hmm. So if you have a show that brings a lot of people to Netflix. It does really, really well. You're not getting paid that differently as a writer as a show that doesn't perform well because you don't really know how it performed. Yeah. You might have an idea, which is difficult because you could have a show that's a cultural phenomenon. The structure should be that you're incentivized to do well. Yeah. And get paid if the show brings subscribers more and more. But it's difficult. It's It's, it's, it's more difficult on streaming than it is advertising. So that's part of what they're looking for is like better residuals. And also what's happened is that uh, shows, that people are ordering less episodes mm-hmm. because it's not like Cable of the past where it was like 22 episodes a season. Let's renew, let's renew, let's renew. It's
0: like, well, let's just test out eight episodes yeah, yeah. and see how and it's going. And we need more moments. Like Netflix needs a lot of moments. They need like the Arnold doc to come out. Yeah. They need the McGregor doc to come out. They need Beef to come out. They need like uh, Love They're is throwing a million they, darts. They need things to be, they need these marketing moments. Mm-hmm. And- what I find to be really interesting when it comes to this conversation, this is a big conversation, I think you're right. This, this is like a main channel, yeah. experts. I'm like trudging we, through yeah. mud to, what, to but figure I th- this out. I think the reason it relates to what we're doing is because as I mentioned, over the weekend, I watched two hours of YouTube between DP's video and Michelle Correa's video and Dodford's video too yep. uh, about Adam Sandler, which was amazing. Those three videos I watched on my TV. And that means I didn't watch Netflix. That means I didn't watch Hulu. Or, yeah. or TV, mm-hmm. I watch it YouTube, and that means that the creators, the independent creators, um, like Doddford, Michelle, and Dude Perfect, they monetize based on what I watched, not not Netflix, mm-hmm. not anyone else, and that brings into question like what what happens to the traditional system when, as viewers, our options are now even playing field. When Michelle Correa is making a documentary, it's the the playing field is kind of even, you know, and I have more of a connection to Michelle. So I'd mm-hmm. rather watch that than watch, you know, McGregor forever, the, the fighting documentary on Netflix. So that's like a, that, like that, that is a big confusing part of this that I think it would re- be really good to get an expert on, or if mm-hmm. anyone in our audiences ha- knows more about this than us, um, I think it's a great discussion and something to also inform what is the future of YouTube companies look like when it comes to incentivizing and um, compensating the the team, right? Like, what does it look like as Mm -hmm. you start to put this together? As these worlds are starting to get more and more similar, what what can we learn from the way this is being conducted? Yeah,
1: I mean, we know multiple creators who've hired people from more traditional backgrounds. From from Hollywood backgrounds. From Hollywood backgrounds right now, which is interesting. And granted, a lot of these roles are for unscripted shows. Like, YouTube is such a home for unscripted. Narrative shows... I think will be on streamers. I don't know if mm-hmm. I see a future where shows like Severance and Ted Lasso roll out on YouTube. I just no, think the I budgets are too high. I mean, yeah, It feels unrealistic But I think to me. we'll
0: see a rise of, of unscripted where like, you know, in the last writer's strike, we saw a rise of reality TV. Yeah. And I think the rise of unscripted mean, this time around means a rise of content on YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, and potentially TikTok and all these other formats where advertising dollars are there. So like creative people now might come over here, right? Yeah. Who used to work in that system. I don't know. It's, I think this is a much bigger discussion than you know, just this short chat it's, about it's,
1: it. it. It's interesting. I think what Doddford is doing is worth talking about because mm-hmm. he's making these short documentaries right now about traditional Hollywood actors yeah. and entertainers and directors. And they're phenomenal. Like they're really, really, really good. To make what he's making- and put it out on television or on a streamer would be really difficult. Super the difficult. The clearances you'd have to get. Oh, yeah. For all of that footage that he's using. Yeah. Right. Um, the people who would have it'd be to nearly be nearly impossible. It'd be nearly yeah. impossible. It would take the, years. The sign off from all of the companies that own all of that footage.
0: The name and likeness. The name and likeness the, yeah, of the, yeah.
1: Adam Sandler and Steven Spielberg, how the story's being told, Yeah. almost impossible to the make the amount
0: that. of archival footage he's pulling is insane yeah yeah the chance of making that on traditional media is yeah slim to none and if you're unfamiliar with dodford you should become familiar with him check out his channel he's making these documentaries about yeah like not only he started talking about some youtube topics but now has grown into more traditional media it's like story of steven spielberg story of donald glover like it's really cool Um, but i agree that is that is nearly impossible but our culture on youtube is a lot more like the tech culture of move fast and break things where it's Mm -hmm. like no, I'm not going to go get clearances for that. It's like just, a digital scrapbook. It's I just all pull good. what yeah. I want. Just yeah. pull whatever I want. Whatever footage I want, I'll just put it together and then boom. Yeah. And I have a sponsor on it. And I have a million views and it's like growing audience based on it. I think the
1: risk over time maybe is that that culture changes.
0: Yeah. If that culture changes, that's going to change a lot. That's going to change that's a gonna lot. That's going to change a lot. Yeah. The, the the convergence of these worlds is going to be really impactful. Yeah. Uh, and it, it feels like it's been like slowly happening for a decade and this writer's strike might make it happen faster? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, good topic. Mm-hmm. Good topic. Maybe we'll we'll pick that up in the Discord. That's yeah. that's a good topic. Um, I think we're in the deep end Colin, which are we? which feels like um there there is a deep end channel in the Discord and people are spending a lot of time making graphics yeah. of us. Now there's some really good ones of us sitting at the set with snorkels on with bubbles coming out, but my favorite one was this like time-lapse of someone making this like Photoshop GIF of us underwater uh, wearing wetsuits and yep. like a fish goes by and goes through our, our goggles. Like mm-hmm. it was so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for making that. And here we are in the deep end. I got a gripe if we're here. Yeah, sure. Uh,
1: this is a mid-show gripe. Cockroach in the bottom left side of the office. Dead. Not happy about it. Okay. We'll move out.
0: That's, that's, yeah, I think that's, we should move out. Right? That might be the end of the
1: show. I don't know.
0: But I, that's also the nature of having like a studio, you know, being every like, studio we've every ever studio had, we've type of office had. has had a cockroach. Always. I think it's the nature of like production gear. Like the cockroaches see it and they're like, there it is cameras.
1: Maybe Jesse can grab a shot of it, but it is just <laughs> looking at me in the face it's, right now. Well, it's, it's dead,
0: right? It's dead, but scary, but I'm not happy about it. No, I, it's I a, hate cockroaches. That's a gripe. Mm. Terrible. Good gripe. Thanks. Also, great gripes in the Gripes channel. Yeah. Great yeah. gripes. Yeah. Uh, Nate from Publish Press talked about a baker's dozen and saying, like, what's the deal that bakers just get to have this mathematically incorrect version of a dozen? Yeah. All right. Question from Luke Harris. Uh, Does Colin have more than one jumpsuit? The answer should be yes. And we all want to see the photo of the closet dedicated specifically for <laughs> jumpsuits. That actually would be really funny. I, I'll, you know, I got two jumpsuits. I got a summer suit and a winter suit. I hope we get a jumpsuit sponsor. Like, I think a patch that goes on there that's, interesting. that's rotating would be really I'm cool. Right. I'm open to but, it. But it, it would have to be like completely kind of random, like like a local auto body shop,
1: you know? I'm open to a local <laughs> sponsor, like if anyone- Like Pico
0: Wheels. Yeah. You know? It would just be so funny. I'm open to a patch sponsor for oh. anyone listening or watching. That'd uh, be great. Sure. Yeah, Love I'm that. open to it. Okay. Mr. Swift says, I'm about to graduate from high school next month. What are some things I should do to make the most of it? Like, if you could go back, what would you have done? Good question, Mr. Swift. That is a good question. I think I would have taken a year off, me, actually. Me too. There's I just, would have done a
1: gap I'm, year. I'm sure that's a common response. But uh, a- as you get older, it feels like there is uh, few there are few opportunities to travel mm-hmm. and just see kind of what happens. To get a job that you know doesn't need to be your whole life, but yeah. that pays the bills, and to
0: try and move around a little bit. Yeah, and to do it without heaviness. Yeah. You know, to do it without so much weight of responsibility and 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 all of that if you have that opportunity. Um going back, like I I feel like I had that opportunity and I didn't take it mm-hmm. um of traveling and I think I needed a lot more perspective on life before I went to college and it would have been helpful to have more perspective. And I think I was in a rush. What's ironic is like I was in a rush to go to college and you know, do something entrepreneurial or get a job that then could allow me to have the freedom to go travel. And that just, that doesn't happen because you just get caught in the flow of it, right? And we have a very amazing reality now where we get to, you know, we were in New York uh, last week. We're going to London in, you know, a month. Like we have a really cool reality where we do get to travel, but it's not as free and kind of unique and and you can't be as spontaneous. You and I haven't much, haven't had much time without each other. That's true.
1: Too, you know what I mean? So like coming out of high school, and getting a truly solo experience yeah. to travel without. Yeah. To be like, who am I?
0: I think the thing to- Is something
1: that you and I- Agreed. Probably would have enjoyed.
0: I think the thing to note is like, to be an interesting person, to be an interesting writer, to be an interesting creator, to just be an interesting human being, you have to do interesting things. And I think like allowing yourself to do unique and um, different things when you're young is, is like, if I could go back, I would do that. I would travel and- maybe get a job overseas or like just Mm. see more interesting things. Um, Not to bring up AI. May I? May I bring up AI? Was that your AI voice or was that you? (laughs) But the output is only as good as the input. Ah, So you're
1: saying like with humans as well, the output is only as good as the input. I've
0: been been thinking about this a lot of like AI is based on our uh, machines. AI algorithms are based on our own interpretation of our own makeup Where it's like, if you have really good input, you'll have really good output. Mm -hmm. So like when you go to a really good school and you learn a lot of really interesting things, you output as a more intellectual person. Mm -hmm. So you just think about it in the context of like, what do you want your inputs to be? So you would have taken in some more interesting inputs, exactly. Yeah. I think my inputs were all were kind of standard, and like what everyone else. I was just looking at what everyone else was doing, and I was like, "Those are the right inputs," especially in college. Especially in college, yeah. um, and I think there was an opportunity to say, "What are the other versions?" I came into college books? as like
1: I'm a business student. I'm here to do business, yeah, and like right, and go party, yes, you know what I mean, like that's right, and yeah. that was standard, yeah. and pretty traditional. And I found my way
0: out of that, right
1: as I think a lot of college students do. You need new inputs. But you need new inputs, yeah. You need new
0: inputs. Yeah. Okay, that's where we'll close today. Um, Thank you so much to everyone who has joined the Discord. Everyone who joined our first AMA, if you were there, you were part of something really cool with us. That got wild. That got wild. We'll be doing more of those. We're in the deep end right now. We ended up in the deepest end. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't joined the Discord server yet, the link is in the description. Thank you again to Discord for being great partners, and we will see you in the deep end, or the deepest end.